Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com, and check us out. And don't forget to join that travel club. We're going some wonderful places in 2022. We certainly hope that you can come with at least on one. And we're making some plans for 2023. As always, I want to thank you for coming back for another week of travel news, travel tips, and travel chats. And we're kicking off Black History Month. That's right. February is here again. Joining us this week is Stephanie M. Jones, founder of Blacks in Travel and Tourism. So you want to make sure that you stay tuned as we're going to discuss diversity and inclusion in travel and how the National Blacks in Travel and Tourism Collaborative has been an instrumental part of the evolution of travel. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. It's a continuation of our Casa Time with travelers from the Ghana trip. But right now, I've got some travel news. It is Black History Month. If you're looking for some places to visit, some destinations to celebrate Black History Month, MSN put together a list of 12 travel destinations to celebrate Black History Month. And I certainly agree with all of them. One is Memphis, Tennessee. You have the National Civil Rights Museum at the Lorraine Motel. That's the site of the Martin Luther King Jr. assassination in 1968. There's also the Slave Haven Underground Railroad Museum that's housed inside the historic Burke Estate. And you can visit the oldest African-American congregation in the city at the First Baptist Beale Street and celebrate music legends at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music. Richmond, Virginia is a former epicenter of the North American slave trade and now it's a hub for black culture. There's Atlanta, Georgia, of course. Atlanta is steeped in black history and one that offers no shortage of unique experiences, especially this winter. So you have Martin Luther King Jr. National Historical Park that includes Martin Luther King's birth home. You also have the new Black Wall Street in nearby Stonecrest, black shops and black owned businesses. And then there's Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. You can visit the first self-governed town of formerly enslaved people in the United States at the historic Mitchellville Freedom Park. Washington, D.C., my hometown, and is always at the top of anyone's list for black history or a great destination to celebrate black history. That's the nation's capital, of course. We have the National Museum of African American History and Culture. There is the Black Lives Matter Plaza on 16th Street, the African-American Civil War Museum and Memorial, actually, and a plethora of other destinations. Nashville, Tennessee, the Music City. You have the Tennessee State Museum and the new National Museum of African-American Music. Mississippi, specifically the Mississippi Freedom Trail is an excellent idea. Phoenix, Arizona, yes, certainly have a lot of black heroes and icons 
like activists, athletes, musicians, and a whole lot more. And this year they have murals with key figures like Jack Johnson, Muhammad Ali, Simone Biles, and even the NBA's Phoenix Suns. It's going to be completed on February 11th. There's Alabama with the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma and the National Museum for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, the home of the civil rights movement in Montgomery. And you have the Rosa Parks Library and Museum, the Freedom Rides Museum, and lots of restaurants as well. Baltimore, Maryland, with prominent African-American figures throughout history, including Frederick Douglass, Billie Holiday, Thurgood Marshall, just to name a few. The International Airport is actually the Thurgood Marshall International Airport, and they have some wonderful displays there. So if you're flying into or out of BWI, as we call it, you want to check that out. There's the National Great Blacks in Wax Museum that's in downtown Baltimore and the James E. Lewis Museum of Art at Morgan State University. Kansas City, Missouri, you have the city's Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, and there's also the American Jazz Museum. Little Rock, Arkansas, the Little Rock Central High School, the site of forced segregation in 1957. And these are just the top 12, but as listed by MSN, certainly the entire country has so many sites. So try to find one in your own hometown if you're not venturing out to other cities and states. But certainly it's a time to celebrate Black history. We know that Black history is history especially here in the United States. We know that it's 365, but this is the time that we celebrate. Here's something to think about. Did you know about this code? It's called SSSS. That's a code that may show up on your boarding pass. And if it does, mm, it's not such a great thing. SSSS stands for Secondary Security Screening Selection. It's the Transportation Security Administration's flagging of an airline passenger for enhanced screening. If it's stamped on your passport, then it's gonna override any other authorities or privileges that you have, and you will be subjected to an additional screening process that could take anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes. Now, one person's account of experiencing that code after returning from a month-long trip to Turkey and Georgia. And then since that trip, they were flagged three times. In each instance, the first indication that something was wrong was the ability or inability to check in online or at the self-check-in kiosk. And when they approached the airline agent and that ticket was printed out for them, they saw the SSSS. After approaching security, the TSA agent who scanned the boarding passes asked them to step aside and they radioed a supervisor, and they heard them say, we got a quad. That quad is four S's. And they say that the screening process was extensive. They were separated from their shoes, coats, and electronics, asked to pass through a metal detector and body scanner, and then subjected to a full body pat down. Hands and feet were swabbed. This was for a trace of explosives, and every inch of carry-ons were unpacked and scrutinized. Same for the checked luggage, and the TSA agents, they said were polite, but the delay nearly caused them to miss their flight. So when you book an airline ticket in today's digital world, your airline submits your name, gender, and date of birth to TSA for clearance. The airlines are certainly responsible for doing so and to make sure that you are TSA approved before you fly. Because if they don't, they can be fined. 
Now, triggers for this SSSS designation can be short notice bookings, paying in cash, suddenly becoming a jet setter, buying one-way tickets, flying to or through what is deemed a high-risk country by the State Department, or if your name is similar to someone on the watch list. We had that happen to one of our travelers one time whose name was very similar to someone else. So if you have a very popular name, you want to make sure that you use every first, middle, last name and any other suffixes or anything else like that. Now, there is some recourse. If this happens to you, you can apply for redress through the Department of Homeland Security. And it's possible to have the SSSS code removed from your records. However, it's not guaranteed to never appear again. You can, if that happens again, go to trip at tsa.dhs.gov. On January 31st, the CDC placed a lot of countries on the level four do not travel. Now, level four list now contains 130 places. In early January, there were about 80 destinations on that list. Level four now has more destinations than all other CDC categories combined. Now, what's interesting is that the CDC does not include the United States itself in this list of advisories, but it was color coded at level four on January 31st on the agency's map of travel risk levels. In its broader travel guidance, the CDC has recommended avoiding all international travel until you are fully vaccinated. Now, Dr. Peter Tarlow, president of the World Tourism Network, doesn't agree with the assessment of the U.S. government on punishing what he says punishing tourism based on COVID statistics, specifically citing Mexico. Dr. Tarlow is a known and respected expert in international tourism security and has worked on many projects also with the U.S. embassies around the world. He also cites the cases in the United States as a measuring stick. So again, this is the CDC's reaction reaction to the Omicron variant and the 12 countries they've placed at the highest risk are Anguilla, Brazil, Chile, Ecuador, French Guiana, Kosovo, Mexico, Moldova, Paraguay, the Philippines, St. Vincent, the Grenadines, and Singapore. Expedia, here's some great news. Expedia will give away 20 trips during the Super Bowl. This gives you a reason to watch, if nothing else, including one that's going to be worth $25,000. So during the big game, Expedia will encourage viewers to travel the ads. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Expedia will make the big statement about the commercials during the big game. The ads will be trying to sell you things, but what matters most is the experiences. So the online travel booking company will be giving away those 20 vacations, 19 of them worth 5,000 and one grand prize at 25,000, all inspired by commercials airing during the Super Bowl game. With the help of its new celebrity spokesperson, McGregor, who they describe as a born explorer, motorcycle road trip aficionado, and renowned actor and UNICEF UK ambassador, Expedia's own ads will focus on that message of getting out there and really experiencing the world through travel. Details of the commercial are still under wraps, but considering it's the first time in the decade that the company is airing an in-game ad, we're sure it's going to be big. The 20 prizes will be awarded in real time on February 13th with both the contest and the game starting at 630. To enter, you must follow Expedia on Twitter and 
be an Expedia Rewards member since the prizes will be awarded in the form of points through their loyalty program. And you can sign up for free with the membership by going to Expedia. During the game, quote a retweet from Expedia's official Twitter account that relates to the commercial spot along with the hashtag travel the ads. The contest will end February 13th at 11:59 p.m. The new Southwest CEO or incoming Southwest CEO says that there may be some changes coming up. How soon? We're not really sure, but it may have to do with the seating arrangements on Southwest Airlines. As you know, Southwest Airlines does not pre-assign seats. You get these boarding groups and then you line up and you pick your own seat. And that seemed to have worked very well for Southwest. I, for one, kind of like it. Many people don't. Like my husband, he doesn't like it. I wonder how many households are split over that. Well, the incoming CEO, Robert Jordan, who was previously the airline's executive vice president, will officially take the reins this month and said that there is time for change. We could one day need to take back the assigned seating question. I think we may have to do that, adding that the airline would look at the impact of seat assignments on things like turnaround time and how important it is to business travelers. But just know this, we are committed to continuing to look at our product, making sure it's relevant. But Jordan added the potential move isn't something customers can expect to see in the immediate future. Instead, Jordan says the airline will focus on things like providing more reliable Wi-Fi, hiring more workers, and restoring full in-flight service. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, we'll have a conversation with Stephanie M. Jones, founder of Blacks in Travel and Tourism. And we'll also have Javon's Travel Minute. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com and connect with us there and on social media and make sure you join the Travel Club. Why? Because we're going places in 2022. That's right. We have Fiji coming up April 27th through May 6th. We have Greece in September, September 1st through the 9th. And we have many more that we will be announcing very soon soon. And again, to stay up to date with our travel schedule, all you have to do is go to TravelingCulturati.com. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. When I escort groups internationally, I often notice confusion between what is customs versus what is immigration. So let's start with customs. Customs is an authority in a country responsible for controlling the flow of goods in and out of a country, depending on legislation and regulations, the import or export of some goods may be restricted or forbidden and the customs agency enforces these rules. So when entering a country, you'll need to declare certain items you're bringing in. And if you're returning everything that you did not take with you when you left your country of residence, either way, you'll need to fill out a customs declaration form 
to declare or identify what those items are. You may have to pay a duty or tax on certain items based on restrictions or limitations, and you are subject to being randomly searched or asked to produce receipts for goods you're bringing in. Now, immigration. Immigration is a service at the port of entry at an international border. This is the first checkpoint before entering or re-entering a country. These officials check your entry documentation or authority. In the United States, the CBP or Customs and Border Patrol is responsible for inspection of all persons arriving in the United States. Airline personnel will give you a form based on your citizenship to complete. Arriving citizens are only given a customs declaration form and must show their passport. Arriving foreigners are given a customs declaration form and an immigration form to determine the purpose of their visit, their length of stay, and if they have the proper documentation to enter the country. So how do customs and immigration differ? Simply put, customs is about the flow of goods in and out of the country. Immigration is about the flow of of people in and out of the country. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. For many years, the travel industry, like many other industries, have had a cookie-cutter general market approach, but there is now a reckoning with inclusion and diversity. My guest today, Stephanie M. Jones, founder of National Blacks in Travel and Tourism Collaborative, has been an instrumental part of this evolution. Well, hello, Ms. Jones, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hello, Javon, and thank you so much for the invitation to be here today. Oh, what an honor and a pleasure. My favorite two topics, one is travel and two is black travel. (laughs) (laughs) Mine too. (laughs) Now, there are many other titles to your name. We have founder and CEO of Cultural Heritage Economic Alliance Incorporated. We also have United States Travel and Tourism Advisory Board member for the U.S. Department of Commerce, the Herta Grudigan <laughs> expedition. Yeah, you have to say it really fast. <laughs> <laughs> fast enough that no one notices that you mispronounced it. Right. <laughs> uh, that's Expeditions Black Travel Advisory Board Chair, North Star Travel Group, Black Travel Advisory Board and Future of Tourism Coalition Advisory Board. Wow, you are a busy lady. (laughs) I am, I am, but it's important work that we're trying to do. And so it does require us to have a seat at the table to move this work forward. Absolutely. Now, what was your start in the travel industry? I pivoted time in travel and tourism in 2015. I've been a business and marketing strategist for over 20 years, and I've done a lot of consulting work in travel and tourism, working with destination marketing organizations. And so I pivoted in 2015 after working with the Greater Miami Convention Visitor Bureau to develop a tourism business enhancement readiness program to help small black and brown businesses and underserved communities become tourism ready so that they could actively participate in profit in their local tourism ecosystems. So after doing that work for a little over a year, recognizing the disparities, you know, among Blacks in this industry, especially since billions of dollars flow into our economy and specifically the Miami economy, but those dollars don't trickle into Black businesses and and Black communities. 
And so I decided it was time to do something to level the playing field for those micro local black businesses to be able to actively participate and make money in the industry. So I launched a company called Cultural Heritage Alliance for Tourism in 2016, CHAT for short. Um, It's a tourism and business development company that, again, creates initiatives and opportunities that level the playing field that are designed to advance Blacks in travel and tourism. Oh, that's so wonderful. And we're going to talk more about those alliances and initiatives that you're working on. But why is diversity and inclusion so important in travel and tourism? And before you answer that, I really want to preface it with what I love about what you're doing is it's on both ends. It's not just the travel and tourism industry and what is put out in marketing and sales and recognition, but also helping the Black travel professional. So on those fronts, why is diversity and inclusion so important? I'm certain you can agree. The industry has never truly been diverse and inclusive since its inception. And it's really only been since the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020, where the industry was called out along with every other industry, but more specifically travel and tourism, there was a reckoning that happened where the handful of Black leaders, CEOs and VPs at destination marketing organizations finally found the courage to stand up and speak out about the lack of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the industry. So the reality too is that prior to the pandemic, you know, most small black businesses, black tour operators, restaurant owners, B and B owners, and others were not fully participating in the industry because they have not been connected or working with their local DMOs or destination marketing organizations. And most DMOs don't even know who their local Black stakeholders are that provide travel-related products and services and experiences. So there's been a disconnect because the industry, and especially in the U.S., just has never been intentional about wanting to make the industry more diverse and inclusive, but even more so equitable for Black people to um, thrive in this industry. And so that's why it's so important. And and that's why the work that we're doing around DEI is really about sustainable tourism, making certain that Black businesses, because, well, let me just preface by saying since the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd murder in 2020, this is our window of opportunity to ask for what we want in this industry to make certain that there are equitable opportunities created for Blacks to actively participate and profit in the industry. And for those who really want to rely on this industry for their livelihood, to have equal access to opportunities that lead to that. Absolutely. You said so many things that are so key and instrumental, because I think we, the Black travel professional as well, had just kind of accepted the status quo and tried to figure things out on our own, self-included. And uh, so recognizing what we need to do and what connections we need to make, because I think at large, the average Black travel professional is a small 
business owner or Mm -hmm. is an independent travel consultant. And so that just kind of makes it very difficult when you don't feel like you have that kind of support. But collectively, those numbers are huge. And yes, we have to make sure that our voices are being heard in the travel industry as a whole in the U.S., but certainly abroad. I mean, going to African destinations, you see that there's no reference to the Black traveler or even the Black history. Right. Front in Africa. Right. But think about that. Even in Africa, when you look at mm-hmm. brochures, when you look at the tourism industries, you don't see representation of the people of Africa and you don't see right. representation it's of the, the Black end- traveler. Absolutely. The animals are amplified more than the Black people in Africa, you know, <laughs> because that's what white tour operators are selling to people, safaris. They're not selling the rich history and culture of destinations, you know, in different African nations. The draw to the way they align their marketing is, again, they promote the safaris, which are great, but that's not the sum <laughs> of the Black experience. And, and really, you can, can't even say that's related to the Black experience. Animals are great, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that represents the African continent and its people and its rich history and culture. Absolutely. And then even when history is spoken of, I, I mean, I've done many groups to several different African countries, and there's so many times that the colonial history is what is presented. And so, yes, yes we have to make that change. And I think we all were just kind of in this trance of just keep going where we're going without recognizing what needed to be changed. And that, again, is diversity and inclusion, which is what we're talking about today. Now, what is Blacks in Travel and Tourism Collaborative? Because I've seen the organization for many years, and I've seen it evolve as well. So what is it today? Well, the National Blacks in Travel and Tourism Collaborative, BTT for short, it's an initiative that's powered by the Cultural Heritage Economic Alliance, which is a 501c3 organization, nonprofit organization based in Washington, DC. So BTT really was created in response to the global pandemic or representation of representation in the industry and conversations around recovery from the global pandemic. And that's because I'm a part of a lot of organizations that I have access to be parts of webinars. And so when the pandemic started and many organizations started bringing people in the industry together to have these conversations around recovery and sharing data about traveler sentiment about traveling during the pandemic or responding to the pandemic, there was never any Black representation or voices a part of these conversations. And so also because of the work we do with a lot of small Black businesses, they started reaching out saying, well, what do we do? How do we survive this? And I thought it was necessary for, again, the handful of Black leaders in this industry to step up and have a voice to show one, to show our Black businesses that we do have representation, people that are speaking out and on our best interests, 
you know, but two, so that the industry could see that we, uh, that there was black representation, we needed to be part of the conversation regarding recovery. And so we started off um, in 2020 by launching a series of webinars called Dollars and Cents, where we invited pretty much every black CEO and VP from DMOs to talk about And this, we actually launched a webinar series right after the Floyd murder and the Black Lives Matter movement was happening around the world. And so we brought these Black leaders together and we had various conversations around DEI, around the impact of the pandemic on Blacks in the industry and started to really gain a huge following of industry representation from around the world tuning into these conversations. And it really became a snowball effect, Javon, where we started having DMOs reaching out who were saying, we want to make change happen in our destination. We want to be more inclusive. We want to address DEI within our organization externally, but we don't know where to start. And so we became, BTT became a resource for many DMOs. And as a resource, what we did is based on understanding the pain points and where the needs were, we created a DEI deep dive masterclass series, an online course that would allow each member or staff person or individual just to take a personal journey to understand what DEI, what cultural diversity and cultural inclusion was, what multicultural marketing and understanding and engaging with different multicultural audiences was, and then also understanding what are the habits of inclusive leaders, leadership of others and leadership of yourself. And so we created this online product that we offered to the industry as a way to really help them to be able to understand DEI on a personal level and before they tried to implement something on an organizational level. And so again, as we continue to meet, not only with DMOs, but travel brands and travel media, we started to, again, based on the need, and one of the needs was now everybody wanted to hire Black people (laughs) to work for their organizations. And so we wanted to create a way to be able to match Black talent, meaning small minority suppliers, professionals, and students to industry opportunities such as employment or contracting or speaking opportunities. So we created and launched the Black Tourism Talent Rectory as a tool to match the industry with Black talent. And so there are several other initiatives that have been launched over the past couple of years. Last summer, we launched a U.S. Black Cultural Heritage Road Trip as a way to level the playing field for, again, those small minority suppliers, tour operators, restaurant owners, hotel owners, to be able to receive consistent tourist foot traffic and revenues into their businesses and communities. And so we identify small businesses that we're now partnering with on our multi-day Black cultural heritage tour itineraries as a way, again, to drive consistent revenue into their businesses, but also as a way to create a broader narrative about the Black experience and culture in the U.S. and to create transformative experiences 
for people domestically and internationally that are curious about Black history and Black culture. One thing I really want to talk about and understand, especially as a travel professional, as a company who's looking a lot of times for these connections, are the resources, both for the supplier, the person who has a product and or service that they're offering, especially with the cultural heritage, Black history tours of that nature, but also connecting on a larger platform. Because I can tell you from firsthand experience, sometimes when I am curating a program, it's extremely difficult to connect with the right people. And even when you go to tourism boards, there's not a lot of support there. I mean, I think they try, but there's not a lot of information and resources and guidance. And when you look at the more general market, there's a whole list. And so we need to find out about getting those suppliers connected to those resources and therefore the professionals can connect to the suppliers. Absolutely. And one of our pillars is amplification. And we have been working again to identify or create opportunities to amplify Black minority suppliers. We have several partnerships with different industry brands that we work with to, again, create an opportunity to position our partners in front of a national or global audience. For instance, Fair Portal, which owns Cheapo Air, is one of our partners. And so they have a blog, Miles Away blog, where they have now created a whole session where they're amplifying cultural heritage or Black cultural heritage. And so recently, we just put together a roundtable discussion featuring Black tour operators, who are some of our partners on our itineraries. And so this is really the first time anything like this has happened, that our partners have had this level of national and global exposure. So now they're going to be amplified and promoted through the blog and featured through Fair Portal and Cheapo Air. At the end of this month, we will have a feature coming out in USA Today online and then in print next month. And we have created an opportunity for some of our partners to be featured in that story that's going to talk about cultural tourism. And we're in many discussions with the U.S. Department of Commerce through the International Trade Administration. We're working with them to actually create um, virtual matchmaking meetings with Black minority suppliers and international tour operators and press. So we are working to make certain that our minority suppliers have access to a national and global stage to be able to market and promote their products and services. But at the same time, we are building that database of minority suppliers. And actually, you know, our goal is to create a Black DMC, where we have a whole database of minority suppliers that anyone in the industry who wants to do business with a Black supplier, they will be able to find them and work with the DMC to vet them and to hire them or contract with them. So we have several different initiatives that are underway, you know, again, to be able to create that pipeline of talent 
for the industry, but also on the other side of that to make certain that our partners and these minority suppliers are tourism ready and ready to fully participate and take advantage of the industry opportunities. Now, is that, Lane, specifically to those Black professionals who have products and or services, these suppliers that have cultural heritage and Black history tours? Or is there also that support for the Black travel professional who's selling destinations in the U.S. and abroad that's not specific to that cultural heritage, but in travel and tourism at large? Well, yes. You know, and again, through the Black Tourism Talent Directory, any Black supplier in the industry can create a free profile. We are currently continuing to develop and build it out as we want it to also be a tool where consumers can come and find Black travel advisors if they're interested in particular types of travel experiences. So, so to answer your question, yes, you don't have to be cultural heritage focused only to participate and take advantage of the various programs and initiatives that we're offering. That is fantastic and wonderful. And so I really want to talk too about the Black travel and tourism professional, and then also the Black traveler, that spending power, both as a Black travel professional and as a Black traveler? Sure. Well, there was a survey done in 2019 by MMGY Global about the Black traveler, and it was a a global survey, so it wasn't just domestic. But that research reported that the Black travel leisure market in 2019 is a $104.5 billion industry. Okay, and growing and it continues to grow. And what that does, it speaks to destinations who don't make it a priority or who are not intentional about marketing to black travelers, that they are missing the mark and they're missing out. (laughs) Because also we've been working and consulting with some DMOs who are trying to do a better job of in their marketing, in their collateral, so that when people come to their website or pick up a brochure, they see diversity. And that's an issue that a lot of DMOs, especially before the Black Lives Matter movement, it wasn't an issue to them, but it was an issue because they were intentionally not showing diverse representation in their marketing collaterals and basically saying to Black travelers that you don't matter, your dollars don't matter. But there is a shift in that now as more research is really validating the economic value that Blacks contribute to the economy when they travel. And the fact that there is a perception and has been a perception that Black folks only travel on a budget when we know that's not true. How does the Black travel professional become a member of Blacks in Travel and Tourism Collaborative to take advantage of the services and resources that you provide? For a while now, we have had people reaching out about becoming a member of BTT. And so we have heard folks and we are now in the process of developing our membership program that we're planning to launch first quarter of this year. But for now, what folks can do, they can go to blacksintourism.org 
There is information about becoming a member. You can complete the membership request form, and then we will follow up with you and send you information on how to become a member and what the benefits are and what that means. We do need members because it takes money to move this mission forward. And, you know, as a nonprofit, there's a lot of work that we've done, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. So we need folks who want to work with us to support the work that we're doing in advancing Blacks and travel and tourism through our membership program that will help support the work that we're doing. But again, it will also create opportunities for other Blacks in the industry to engage in our efforts. Absolutely. And I'm sure the same goes for tourism boards and other travel suppliers who are looking to become more inclusive and diverse. Absolutely. This month, we are launching our partner program. So for DMOs or travel brands that want to become engaged in our work, or even partner with us as a resource, because having the capability to help supplement or support planning and executing DEI strategies and programs for DMOs and travel brands. So we do have a partner program. And if you're interested in in that, you can also go to our website to learn more. And that website again? It's blacksintourism.org. A wealth of information. Again, folks, you can go to blacksintourism.org, whether you're a supplier, a professional, or a Black traveler to help further the cause, because it's something that we need to continue and we need to make sure that nothing dies on the vine, (laughs) that we have to stay the course. So again, Stephanie, (laughs) thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Yvonne. You take care and be safe out there. Absolutely. Well, stay tuned for the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, travelingculturati.com, and join the travel club and connect with me on social media. Today, we're having a bit of casa time. Now, casa is a tradition in Ghana, and it's a twee word that means speak. This is a time when the community or family will gather and speak to one another to share history and tradition. It's normally the elders speaking to the younger generation to keep the history and traditions alive. And today, we're adopting this tradition to have a casa time of our own and speak with our group members who are currently in Ghana to have them share their experiences. Now, who do I have the pleasure of speaking with now? Hi, Javon. My name is Robin Still, and I'm from Northern Virginia. Oh, well, welcome. And thank you so much for making the decision to go to Ghana. And that's where I want to start. Why did you make that decision to go to Ghana? Well, I'll start with my previous experience with traveling with Advantage International. I went to Cuba with you. I had a wonderful time. What I you know, really enjoyed was sort of the cultural immersion that also came with the trip. And I had always wanted to come to Ghana, you know, unfortunately, because of COVID, your trip was delayed. But as soon as I saw there was an opportunity to travel here, I jumped on it, not only to learn more about my history, to draw the connection between how African-Americans came to America, but also to learn more about West Africa in general. As I see and I've heard from friends that have really come to Ghana, it's really touched them and it's been a really emotional experience. 
Well, just like I asked Kelly before you, there's some additional things that we have to do to get to Ghana, especially now. There's some new COVID protocols and so forth. So how was it adopting to the new processes of international travel? Well, what I would say is any traveler would have to have a certain amount of determination. You have to make sure before anything, understand what the process is for COVID and that you're going to be able to handle all those requirements. If it's the 72-hour COVID test, or if it's making sure you have your vaccination card ready and up-to-date, making sure that for Ghana, especially that you have your yellow fever vaccination completed. I mean, all of this requires advanced work. Um, For me, I fell into a little bit of a misunderstanding about how to acquire the visa. So I would just say, anytime I sit down to visit a country, I try to understand everything I need to do and execute. But it also was, I would say, very helpful to have your input and and your help and understanding what I could do to try to correct a mistake that I'd made in acquiring my visa. Well, I'm just happy you're there. (laughs) So that was certainly a plus that we could all get together and make it happen. So, so far, since you've been in Ghana, you've had a chocolate experience with 57 chocolate. I'm so excited about these two ladies. And when I first heard about them, I was like, they have to be introduced to the travelers. Your first stop being Accra. Uh, Of course, you've had the city tour there and also visiting the W.E.B. Du Bois Center for Pan-African Culture. So how has that been for you so far? Accra in general was actually very eye-opening to me to see African city sort of entering into a modern era. Some of the challenges I would say that, you know, they're encountering as far as maybe infrastructure, but also seeing you know, the energy that some of the youth leaders and, you know, obviously the people that are bringing the city forward, you know, what they put into trying to create a place that people want to come and um, visit and where there's plenty of opportunities for new businesses, as like you mentioned, the 57 chocolate. And in that growing up, right, we've read a lot about W.E. Du Bois and his life, kind of part of all African-American, right, history or Black history, that you learn, but seeing his work in person, understanding that as an older man, how he came to Ghana, how he felt like he was coming home, all the reconciliation work he did between some of the leaders who, like a Malcolm X and a, a Muhammad Ali, who came and perhaps read odds and how important he felt to use his center and to help reconcile differences of opinion. Additionally, just you know, understanding what an important role he played in his friendship with the leader of Ghana at the time and how he helped to provide brain power and leadership as they were entering into their independence. And I think that while we know the history of W.E.B. Du Bois here in the United States, we either forget or we don't really understand his impact in Ghana and for Pan-Africanism. The Du Bois Center is a library and it commemorates the late W.E.B. Du Bois. The center contains memorabilia, his personal library, and there's an open air theater where they will at times have intellectual seminars, lectures, and workshops. And they also hold cultural events. And then there's the Marcus Garvey guest house that's there as well. The center was established in 1985 by the Ghana government to encourage visitors to contemplate the ideals of Pan-Africanism. And W.E.B. Du Bois himself was referred to as the father 
of Pan-Africanism. So how was it being in that space where not only is his library, but is a memorial for him as well? What I really enjoyed, how his influence at other African leaders, right? There's a huge synergy between some of his thoughts and approaches to creating a united Africa and how other leaders throughout the continent picked up on his message and mirrored some of his policies and philosophies as they tried to move their own countries forward. And seeing, you know, sort of there's a wall of a lot of African leaders and understanding that how all this fits together was really eye-opening for me and gave me a lot of hope for the continent in general as they continue to move forward. Now, how has actually being there met your expectations prior to going? Well, what I initially thought was that I would be learning something about myself. And what I've walked away is I've learned 10 times more about myself, African-Americans, how we arrived at the place that we arrived at in America, in addition to some of the difficulties that we encountered, even in our journey to America. So to me, it's been heartbreaking in some ways, but it's also been very encouraging and encouraged me to be hopeful about the future for the continent of Africa. Well, fantastic. Well, again, I'm happy that you made the decision to visit Ghana because there's so much about it that you can read, but you have to kind of experience it yourself. And I know we have a jam-packed program for you, so I hope it's not too packed, but there's a lot to see and do in a short amount of time. And I'm going to check back in with you all as you continue your journey to get more CASA time with you. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and